Welcome to this week's episode of How to Be a Boss at Aging. My name is Anneke Somerville, and today I'll be talking to Cariad Lloyd, who's had an award-winning podcast, Griefcast, all about grief. So the title of this week's show is All the Awful Shit That Comes With Age, i.e. Death, Grief and Facing Up to Your Own Mortality. I know it sounds rather depressing, but the reality is, is that as we get older, we're probably more likely to come into contact with death. Um, People around us that we love might die. We may lose our parents or one parent. We may have friends that we lose. And we need to sort of face up to these things and learn how to carry on, ideally. So Cariad's really an expert in this area because she's talked to so many different people about grieving. And I myself was sort of looking for some answers as I lost my dad about three months ago which is actually very fresh of course so I hope you enjoy the interview and it is quite heavy listening so if you have lost somebody recently maybe you're not quite ready to listen to this yet or if you're somebody who is right in the kind of raw stage I mean to be honest there is no kind of straight linear progression to grief and that's probably one of the things we're going to discuss but still it's definitely worth a listen if you have lost someone and you feel that you're strong enough today to listen to this then I hope that you'll get some useful tips not on how to make you um, suddenly forget the person and move on but just how to live with it because that's ultimately what we all have to do is just live with the grief and losing someone we love so thanks a lot and I'll be back again at the end to have a little catch up well I wanted to say basically thanks for coming on the podcast to start with that's right thank Um, you for having me and well, also in such a peculiar time as well. What what have you been sort of up to? Because obviously, I didn't know you actually, because one of your main big things, and actually when I first met you, or probably the only time we've met, was you were winning a podcast award. So it must have been 2018, I think. Yeah, or was it 2000? no, 2018, yeah. I think, is when, yeah, I had fun at the podcast awards. <laughs> yeah, and so, and obviously this, um, I mean, tell us a bit about your podcast, because I mean, I'm a really big fan um, and I love it. Um, but what sort of gave you the idea for it in the first place? Um, so my podcast is called Griefcast and I interview comedians and lots of people really um, about their experiences of death and grief. And the reason I do that is my dad died when I was 15. And so I spent a long time talking about um death and grief in various forms and I always felt like there wasn't particularly anything out there at the time that related to how I had felt with my grief um sort of kind of honest about the weirdness of it and the fact that you do laugh and you cry and it's mad and it's insane it's not all like you know just like oh bless them they're in a better place that just never related to me so I started the podcast as a place for people to talk very honestly about how their experiences had been because you've talked very openly about losing losing your dad and that's kind of what inspired you and that's that's obviously really young um well it it sounds very young to me and part of the reason I'm sort of uh, wanted to do this podcast and sort of talk about grief is that I've lost my dad quite recently so I'm sort of 47 and he died three under well under three months ago actually so I'm still in the relatively yeah you're still very stages very very (laughs) I mean I my joke on the show is like I consider people two to three years in as fresh like, cause I'm, oh, really? yeah, I'm like 22 yeah. years down the line. So like, you know, that's a very, a very different perspective. And obviously I was a teenager, so it's a very different perspective, but the first, yeah, the first two to three years, and that's not, I, I don't mm. want to depress you. That doesn't mean like you're going to no, feel no, awful no. for ages, but when you lose a parent, that kind of ground shaking, world changing experience 
I think takes a long time a bit you know what a bit exactly like having a baby like when your baby's three months old you don't feel like you know what got this I'm absolutely fine life's normal I think it take you know people always say you know by the time they're sort of like two or nearly three you're like wow we okay I feel like (laughs) I kind of got the hang of this and that's a new life coming into your world and when a life leaves your world it's the same thing there's so much adjustment there's so much change that like everything has to reform around the hole that they've left and it can take yeah I and I when I say two to three years obviously it's very different for everyone and that doesn't mean you'll be fine at two to three years but I think those first two years first year is crazy you won't hardly remember any of it and then the second year you kind of suddenly the world appears again um but that's a very generalized (laughs) form so yeah for you three months in this is very very raw like it's incredible that you're talking about it some people can't even vocalize it yet when I'm sort of feeling emotionally not right I tend to look for well it's probably quite healthy really I try and look for resources or look for things that can help me or look for people who've been through similar experiences and see whether I can learn Learn anything um, and I think part of the problem with me actually is that I've almost wanted to get the show on the road too quickly yes. you know because I'm quite a proactive person so I'm sort of like oh you know we must find out you know maybe if I start doing a gratitude list every day I'll start <laughs> I'll feeling feel better fine. you know yeah yeah I'll be I fine and then actually it might be too soon actually it's definitely you know? too soon like and that's the thing I think is really hard if you come to grief quite late and I, I obviously I hope this doesn't sound patronizing I just because it happened to me at 15 like I've dealt with it for a long time but obviously every grief is very very different but I think if people come to it when they're quite old it might be the first time something has been completely out of their control and they haven't been able to research it learn you know figure it out and be like okay you know what I think I've got hang on this because that happened to me when I was 15 it gave me anxiety because what it proved to me was I have no control over anything and I had to learn that lesson very very young that it doesn't matter what you read or what you think or how many times you touch wood or how many times you are you know grateful people can just die they can just die yeah, well, that's just, it's, it's a really strange thing I had this I mean I did have a bereavement when I was 15 but the, the, if I compare the experiences to one another I think um being and you might agree or disagree actually because obviously you know being a similar age I was I kind of thought that I could just sort of run away from it and I guess I kind of hid myself in um you know booze and drugs and hedonism and and that side of it and then actually obviously now being the age I am um a I I mean I have no desire to take drugs or you know (laughs) or go go to like raves or you know I don't feel like I want to go on a journey of self you know destruction but that's obviously one of the typical responses isn't it is to just run from it I mean did did you find there was part of which way did it push you did it kind of push you into a kind of oh well nothing matters so I might as well just throw myself into a mosh pit or was it more kind of like actually no I need to really have be have a a life that's under control I need routine you know which way did you sort of sway yeah I think it's really it's really common especially with younger people to to go either way um and I definitely did not go down the sex and drugs and rock and roll I went down the I my brother was much more wild and much more like I would say yeah hedonistic and happy to kind of probably react in a normal teenage fashion I definitely don't went down the road of okay so what I've learned is people can die you never know when it's going to happen therefore nothing is safe so you I can't take drugs I can't drink anyone can drop dead at any single moment I have to be on it I have to be constantly worrying about everyone controlling everything um because they might just die you know because my dad had cancer and he was diagnosed in the February and then dead by the April 
So it was very... God, that's very quick. Yeah, it was very quick. It was very sudden. And I think, it, you know, the way you handle your grief, it's very important that we always we always say like every grief is different every grief is completely completely unique and the way that someone dies will massively affect the grief so you know if it was a very long-term illness like your grief might you might have done a lot of grieving already and it might be you know not obviously not complete relief but a relief that they're out of pain or if it's like what happened to me if it's very sudden you're just dealing with a lot of shock there's a lot of like oh sorry what just happened if, if your parent is older you might have been more you know aware that it might might be about to happen but obviously it's still terribly sad and awful but it's not a complete like whoa what sorry what just happened so it's it's important to be aware that you know the way something happens will obviously affect how you grieve as well how you grieve as well but yeah I definitely went down the trying to control everything and I think what's really important with grief is however you're dealing with it that's okay like don't don't be like obviously as long as you're not being self-destructive or you know hurting I mean even if you are in a way like you know you might you might go through periods of self-destruction and it will vary on a scale so you know like a teenager might go out and get wasted and not care about themselves but equally as a older you know a mother we might stop taking care of ourselves or not prioritizing ourselves like there's loads of ways we can be self-destructive and I think what's important is I think it's always important just to be aware. Like if you're having a day where you're like, oh, I'm being very self-destructive, rather than being like, you shouldn't do that. That's as self-destructive. <laughs> rather than being like, okay, you know what, today I'm obviously in that mood. I'm just going to, like you said, try and be kind and not make sure I'm not hurting myself too much or hurting other people. And how can I find a way through this? Because grief is a really long journey. It doesn't, it doesn't, you can't fix it. It's not going to go away. Is it sort of a very jiggity-jaggity journey or do you arrive at a point where you're kind of like, yeah, this is more stable now, you know, this is just something that, that happened to me, you know? Yeah, so I, um, I'm i actually in the middle of, of writing a book as well about grief, obs, and um, I have a huge bone to pick with five stages. And um, <laughs> just to clarify, so five stages was created by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross in the sort of 19, late 60s, I think, early 70s, actually 70s. And David Kester is someone who worked with her much later. What's important to state is that she did change her mind about the five stages and what David now says is that it's not linear, um, came in later. But what everybody knows, what is in every single cultural joke about grief is that there's five stages and you go through them. That is bullshit, if you don't mind me swearing, or I can say that is rubbish. That is just not true. Grief is not linear. Stop there. I'll say it again. The grief is not linear. Like, she, the thing to really know about the five stages is she wrote that book as a study on working with people who were dying. So it was not about people who were grieving it was about people who were diagnosed specifically with a terminal illness so she noted that they went through these five stages now when you look at it like that somebody who's dying yes you know what they might go through five stages and reach an end because they are going to die grieving people are dealing with life continually you know obviously we will eventually die but it's dealing with the day-to-day ephemera of life and it's so important that there's much better grief theories now so there's this idea of the ball in the box by Lois Tonkin which is that oh right I need to definitely look yeah that so like the idea is like you know your life is this box and then a grief happens and it's a huge squiggly mess right it's a massive ball of like you know knotted pain and anger in this and it fills up the whole box the box is there's no room for anything else there's no room for life you know you can't think you can't eat you can't have good times like it's always 
the grief is just massively always there in front of you. Now, as you move forward away from the death, you have more life. So you have more experiences. So your box of life gets bigger. So, you know, you may you may have another child or you might move house or have a holiday or have all these experiences and your box gets bigger and bigger. The grief never changes shape or size. It stays there. So the idea is that you can still have all this life and all this good experiences and good times, but there will always be that grief there. It doesn't go away. You can't magically go, you know what? I didn't love my dad and now I'm fine. (laughs) You know, I've realized it's not a problem. It's kind of always there, but the more life you have around it, the you know, the less it will maybe pop up every day or you might not feel as much pain because it's further away. But that squiggly mess, a tangle of pain and anger can at any point bounce up into your actual day. What I'm worried about, and I suppose people who might have specifically lost people through corona or just not corona, but just over this period of time is that, because I'm not seeing anyone, I'm not seeing my dad either. So there seems to be this strange trick that's going on with me at the moment where I don't, I'm almost like, if, I know we're not talking about stages, but it's almost like I, I'm not quite facing up to it yeah, because yeah. I haven't haven't actually had an occasion where he's not been there. Do you know what, yeah, <laughs> do you know what I, I mean? Yeah, and I think that's, do you know what, like lockdown or no lockdown, that, that's very common with um, old, people who lose their parents when they're older because you, you know, you probably didn't see them every day and so, and they didn't live in your house. So it's the same when you lose someone who's not in your immediate circle, as in like, you know, you wake up every day and you see them, of course there's moments where you're like, oh, it kind of feels like they haven't gone. And that's really common. And I I use the child analogy quite a lot because it's the same, do you remember when you had your first child and you wake up and be like, why is there a baby here? Like, oh my God, we have a baby. Like it takes ages to wake up next to a child and be like, I guess that's mine. Your brain is always going, God, you remember when there wasn't a child here? There wasn't a cot, there wasn't all these things. And your brain is doing the same thing. Like it takes human brains a long time to process new life and the loss of life. Like it takes our brain a while to be like, okay, they're not here. And another quote I really like is that you have to um, live each season without them. So that's why this, they talk about this first year being very important that, and again, very different for everybody. Everyone, if you're listening and you have a different experience, please, you're not doing it wrong. There is no wrong. But each season it's like, you have to live like, you know, a summer day without them, like the leaves falling without them and Christmas without them, the flowers coming back without them to kind of be like your brain to go, okay, they are gone. And that is a really difficult, painful process that unfortunately you just have to walk through, but it's, it's, I can completely understand in lockdown, we're sort of living, like, I don't know if you feel like this, like there doesn't seem to be a day or a month or a season. It just is lockdown. So I'm not, I'm not surprised at all that your brain is just kind of going, oh, it, maybe it hasn't happened. It hasn't actually happened. Yeah. The other thing I was going to talk to you a bit about is that, um, and I don't know whether you've come up against this, is kind of now we have all these digital memories of people um, that live on. So um, I don't know whether, you know, you know, say with your your father, for example, whether you had a recording of his voice or... But nowadays, like obviously we have... Like I have voicemails from my dad, a billion text messages because he absolutely loved texting and he was that was really his medium and he did very formal, long-winded texts, you know, with lots of kind of comments and emojis <laughs> and all sorts of things. Those all live there. And then obviously um, emails, you know, and then you've got this massive bloody photo library as well that probably sits on your phone. Um, and then there can be a bit of a, a, you know, an almost like an unhealthy obsession 
with kind of re-listening to old messages, looking at old photos, um, reading texts. You know, I, I'm still in the stage where I sort of go back and, and look through a lot of text messages. When he died, on sort of the weekend after he died, I was still leaving him voicemails, yeah. which is, it sounds like very peculiar. No, <laughs> peculiar you know it's so common. But, um, it's so co- I've spoken to so many people who've left them voicemails, who've rung them, who've texted them. Like, it is so common because you you are you're missing them you want that connection and I think it's completely human to try and knock on that door and go are you still there like and also like honestly like and I've had so many people say I've rung their number like I can't or I can't delete their number I'm just going to keep it on my phone and we talk about that a lot on the show in terms of um analog I I call them analog and digital grievers so I'm an analog griever because my dad died in 1998 so I like yeah yeah. I don't I have photos but like physical snappy snaps or you know put in a little pocket photos I don't have digital recordings you know I have a my uncle sent me a a cassette tape of him the other day like I don't have a cassette player so I have to (laughs) figure out what I'm gonna do so I think Everyone I speak to in the internet age who has digital memories um, talks about that a lot of that being, you know, I guess almost like a digital grave. Like we don't have graves as much these days. We don't visit and have that place of sort of religious time to be alone with a death. But we do have our phones and we do have the memories, the photos, the recordings. And it is you know I don't again I wouldn't judge yourself for going through them for ringing him for reading them because that is a way to remember them and try and connect with them and that's the same as you know 200 years ago people would have gone and sat by a grave and led flowers and talked to the grave like no one would have gone why are you talking to the grave but you know yeah, why are you listening exactly. to voicemails that's that's all you've got left of them so and, and they sort of exist in that strange yeah, place they do. you know yeah um, they really do they still they still exist because all their words are still there. I suppose it's no different, really, to looking through letters, is yeah, it? Or like you were saying, looking through the old photo yeah, album. Yeah, it's exactly the same. It's just, I think the the slight danger, as someone who's an analogue griever, is that if I want to make myself feel really bad, as in, like, really trawl through some memories, it's quite difficult. Like, I have to find them. I have to go up to an attic. I have to, like, ask my mum to get something. And the slight danger, a bit like with, like, an ex-boyfriend or ex-girlfriend you know if you want to torture yourself it's right on your phone it's by your hand you're sat on the sofa it's there so I think the only thing to be aware of is like am I you know am I doing this because I really want to connect with them or am I doing this because I'm just I just want to keep crying or am I doing this because I've done this all day and I can't stop it's just trying to be aware of like where what do I need right now like do I actually need to read all these text messages and they're going to make me feel better or do I actually need to put the phone down for a second and just have a cup of tea and you know breathe in the space that I'm here it's just trying to be kind to yourself (laughs) yeah no you're so right and I mean I wanted to focus a little bit on um when you're older obviously so sort of people um like you said sort of losing a parent or losing a friend or you know god forbid losing it losing a spouse or a sibling or you know whoever it whoever it is um a lot of what I'm sort of talking about with sort of getting older is that maybe that sense that you've got the good years are kind of behind you and that essentially you're kind of you you can sometimes be a bit pessimistic about the future because you're kind of like, what does that even look like as a woman? You know, like I'm I'm aging, I don't really recognise my face, you know, I, I don't feel that relevant at work, you know, I can't really keep up with all this technology stuff, you know, I'm sort of feeling a little bit like I'm invisible and then I'm sort of losing somebody who's very important to me and that in a way could, I mean, you know, in an ideal world that 
spurs you on to go and achieve great things and you sort of think oh you know I'm aware that I'm you know I'm, I'm going to be the next one in line and so I need to really make the best use of my time or it can sort of take you to quite a dark place because I mean when I spoke it's funny when I spoke to another relative of mine she put it very bleakly and she basically sort of said well yes you know this is the start of it you know you're now in your late 40s and you know this is when it all starts when you start to lose the people that you love you know maybe friends maybe uh, relatives and, and that kind of proceeds and, and death becomes something that's less abstract and just more something that you're going to have to deal with and ultimately face up to your own you know and I sort of thought Jesus Christ you know? <laughs> I don't think I can deal with that and everything else that's going on at the moment but do you think there is a difference between sort of your, your age and how you deal with grief and then relate it back to your own situation yeah I think I think the thing to remember is like we all experience grief at, at different times. And so I think sometimes it's easy to be like, oh, you know, oh, yeah, I'm 47, this is it now. But like, you know, there's, there's people who get to like 16, 70. I've met them who are like, oh, I've never really lost anyone. <laughs> like, you know, and there's people like me who lose their dad at 15. And I've interviewed um, this amazing actress called Beth Rylance. You know, she lost her mum when she was one years old, one year old. So like, we're the idea that death will ever come at a neat time is not true. Like you said, you experience a bereavement at 15. Like, I think we tell ourselves that to make ourselves feel in control. Like death can come at any point. Like, you know, you can, you know, we lose pets, we lose friends. Like we, it, it's just, it's part of being alive. Um, and I think, yeah, I don't know, like I can understand, obviously I don't have that experience because I, joined this club very early so like if you're 47 you're saying like oh you feel like you don't understand the world and you're losing your identity and then this happens and it shakes your identity it can be tempting to go oh grief while I'm at this age is very difficult but actually grief is just difficult like I was 15 I was forming my identity and my part of my identity got taken away like I know people who've been 25 and go oh I was just becoming an adult and they let and then my dad died and so they didn't I didn't get a chance like there's basically no good time there's no good time for one of your parents to die and what what you have to be clear about is like it's going to affect you because they were hugely important to you even if you didn't get on with them even if you didn't speak to them even if you had you know me and my dad had a very difficult relationship like I'm not I don't do this podcast as like a grieving daddy's girl who really missed it I do this podcast as someone who didn't get a chance to say a lot of stuff to him because we were rowing and so I think what's important is that you acknowledge that your parents do provide a, a, an essence of your identity and when that goes it, the ground is shaking beneath your feet and the grieving process is about rebuilding that ground and also being okay with the giant cracks in it but that takes a long time you very clearly stated this is not something that you kind of go okay that's all sorted now let's move on um but things that you can sort of do practically to make yourself feel a little bit better in the moment if you're really finding it hard yeah you know? yeah of course and I and I say this as someone like I, I sometimes have to remind myself like I'm 22 years down the line so it's for well very well me going you know what you never get over it and that can sound I can totally understand if you're like three months in you'd be like oh my god what but what I'm just to be really clear what I mean is it never goes away but it I have found it does get easier and I think that's really important to hold on to like the feelings you feel at the beginning I've never felt that raw and upset again 
like do you know what I mean I've had definitely had moments where it's been really bad but we describe it as um like waves of grief and it's a bit like you know when you're when it first happened you're just getting wave after wave like every hour you'll get a different emotion a different like oh my god I feel awful and then as time goes on you know like six months you might you might not have a wave for another two months or three months and then I'm at the point now where I might have a wave like every two to three years and that wave might last like a couple of days or even a day. like it's it does get it for me it has got more manageable um so it's important I think to keep that in mind that when I say you don't get over it and it's not linear what we mean is not that you will never be happy again or you will never you know you this pain won't go away we mean this this pain will change but you'll never be like oh I'm fine like uh, who who would be fine with saying like you know they matter to you it's really important and I think um the thing you talk about the jump is really interesting that's really common it's called transitional objects so you have you know I still have something this kind of really horrible glass mushroom that my dad gave me on my desk that I chose and he bought for me and it's really important to honor those objects if they are making you feel better if sniffing and holding is making you feel better do it like anything that's making you feel better unless it's like you know like we said downing five bottles of vodka and shooting someone you know do do it obviously be responsible you need to get the emotion out and the the worst thing you can do is try and put it away to make other people feel comfortable so if other people are like oh yeah this is kind of intense or this is a bit much yes it is someone's died it is so if you need to cry if you need to take a big stick go into the woods and bash that stick up until it is in smithereens because you're so angry do it if you need to punch a pillow do it if you need to do yoga and breathing but like this I think that's the thing is like we have to acknowledge that like when somebody dies it really matters and so and it can look kind of messy in the same way and I I hope I don't annoy people by harking on to childbirth because I know not everybody has been through that experience but like childbirth is a really messy loud intense experience and if but it is because a new life is being brought to the world and if you can imagine in the throes of labor someone knocked on your door and was like can you keep it down you're being really like it's a bit much you'd be like, God, like what? This is how I feel. And it's the same with grief. It's like, if you need to howl and wail and scream and and watch their films or read their messages for a bit, like you you might just need to do that. And if you try and control your grief, I think it takes long, longer, is my experience. I think if you just try and let it be, don't judge yourself, do what you need to do. And I would say, yeah, you know, there's a lot of amazing um, things, that resources out there now that were not there when I was um, growing up. So there's Cruise Bereavement Care, C-R-U-S-E, who offer free bereavement counselling um, in certain areas. Obviously, during lockdown, this is difficult. But I would really recommend talking to a bereavement counsellor. Um, bereavement counsellors specialise in that initial bit and they often offer you like six weeks or 10 weeks to just deal with what's happened and there's some amazing networks out there you know there's like widowed and young there's winston's wish for kids there's grief encounter there's the grief network for young people like just like find other people who are in a similar circumstance and are willing to let you talk about it because i think the biggest thing you need to do is is talk about that person and remember them and often society is like oh can you stop talking about them and that's why i love doing the grief cast because people come into the room and for an hour they're allowed to talk about the person they lost and no one tells them to shush or change the subject or oh this is making me feel uncomfortable like you need a space where you're allowed to just talk and talk and talk about them a bit like I said when you have you know if you have a kid and you just really want to talk about them and your friends perhaps you don't have children like this is boring you find another woman who's like I just want to talk about my kid and you both just talk about your kids and you're like thank you for letting me process what's happened to me and it's the same with grief you know if you've lost someone you you need to talk 
about them and um you know and again it's different for everybody some people might not be ready or they might be finding their grief is much more quiet whatever works for you but don't don't judge yourself on what you need to do and I know that doesn't sound like mega positive (laughs) like no no but I think that's really helpful because I think um I mean it's interesting I think there's so much in our sort of society culture that we can control or we feel we have the illusion of control and then actually um you know we're all about self-improvement aren't we these days it's like you know I've got to be I've got to be fit I've got to be you know mentally stable I've got to be a great parent you know I've got to have a really worthwhile job and actually grief and actually what we're going through at the moment with um you know lockdown is kind of teaching us that we can't control it and actually the way we respond to it can't always be done in a controlled manner you know it's kind of and I, I found that quite a lesson because I think I've always been somebody who's, who's tried to sort of, oh, right, there must be an app for that yeah. or there must be a, a book for that <laughs> or there'll be, I, there'll be something for that that will sort me out, you know. I'm exactly the same. Like, I'm just a really good researcher. Like, if you give me a problem, I'll be like, you know what, I'm going to find the book, the podcast, the photo, the artist, like the film that's going to help me deal with this. Like, I am exactly the same. And, and grief is a really, like, stone cold hard reminder of like, oh, sometimes there isn't. A solution to the problem sometimes there's just the feelings and I think that as humans who pride ourselves on being like you said successful and organized and doing everything in a, in a good way like it can be a really uncomfortable place to sit with um and I think that's really important like we are we are okay with being uncomfortable sometimes going I don't have the answer for this and I don't I don't necessarily there isn't an answer for this and like I said it takes it took me a long <laughs> long time so if I sound like I know what I'm talking about trust me you should have seen me at like year 15 year 16 like yeah no but it's really it's useful to have that perspective um and I think that's the thing is that I mean even you know what even even saying you know it will change and it evolves into something else is is helpful I think for anyone who's in that early stages yeah it does um, it really does change it really doesn't stay the same and I think an important way to remember it is like if you remember your relationship with your dad at 15 at 20 at 25 at 30 like they were all very different and you have to understand that as you get older your relationship with them will still evolve even though they're dead it will still evolve you'll still be thinking about them in a different way because your life has changed and like that's I find that kind of comforting that just because they're dead doesn't mean this conversation is kind of ended. Like, admittedly, they're quiet, but um, you can still think about them at that age and what they might have said to you and what you might have said to them. And it comes a point where, yeah, you that becomes a comfort rather than an agonizing pain. I, I definitely have reached the point where I feel comforted that I know what he would kind of say to me now. Oh, listen, it's been so great to talk to oh, you. I, so. I wanted to ask you a bit. So are you in the process of writing your book now then? Or are yes, you... Yes, supposedly with uh, two kids on lockdown. <laughs> no, well yeah, done. Yeah, yeah, I am. I'm, I'm sort of trying, yeah, I'm, yeah, <laughs> currently trying to redraft it which is hard work and do you have um, plans for obviously for more podcasting as well yes um, yeah so I had to I stopped because I had my second baby and then my plan was to kind of get back on it about now but obviously uh, <laughs> it's a little bit it's a little bit difficult so yeah I probably will bring out some more episodes but because of the the book writing being slowed where the lack of childcare means the the podcast is now yeah slightly behind but yeah hopefully I'll be bringing oh God, more back yeah. I mean there's like 100 episodes so there's enough. <laughs> I know there was loads. I was scrolling through actually, and that's the thing I love about it is that 
some podcasts are quite linear in the way that you kind of, you know, one follows on from the other, or they make a lot of references to what's going on at that current time. Whereas these, you can actually dip in and out to any episode you fancy, can't you? You really can. And that, you know, as exactly like grief, like whatever you feel like listening to. And like, I always say to people, like, you can always tweet me if you want like a recommendation for a specific, a good episode, because some are funnier than others and lighter. And the live episodes are really funny and really silly and just comedians talking about like how they want to be buried and stuff. So if, if you just want to have a, a, a sort of light relief of it but then there's others that are you know much more serious and much more heartbreaking and um yeah just flick through and there should be a prescription for you somewhere amongst them all well that's brilliant well thanks so much for coming onto the podcast Thank you for having me just to finish i wanted to read a poem by rishani ray there is a brokenness out of which comes the unbroken a shatteredness out of which blooms the unshatterable There is a sorrow beyond all grief which leads to joy and a fragility out of whose depths emerges strength. There is a hollow space too vast for words through which we pass with each loss out of whose darkness we are sanctioned into being. There is a cry deeper than all sound whose serrated edges cut the heart as we break open to the place inside which is unbreakable and whole while learning to sing. Thank you for listening. Um, I just wanted to say that originally this particular episode was called All the Awful Shit That Comes With Age, Death, Grief and Facing Up to Your Own Mortality. And then I've sort of realised that's quite depressing. And of course, grief is something that we just have to make normal in our lives. It will happen. We can't run away from it. And unfortunately, the reality is, is that not just when we get older, it can happen at any time. But especially in this time of Corona, more and more people have had to deal with losing loved ones probably before their time. So I hope you found uh, a little bit of support here. I will put some resources up as well um, of different groups and networks that you can get in touch with. I'm sort of still in the midst of it, to be honest. And yesterday was a prime example of that in that I was doing a bit of Zoom yoga as you do and uh, just found myself weeping quite a lot and it came out of nowhere and at the moment that's the kind of stage I'm at so I'm sort of feeling completely normal and then suddenly losing it and I think uh, that analogy of the kind of the ball the tangled up boil ball sorry not boil that sounds even worse of grief that's inside a box and that it's always kind of there but then your life gradually sort of expands within the box but there's still times when that kind of grief can come and bite you Um, and hopefully there becomes more days where you're not obsessed with it and thinking about it and overwhelmed by it than before and that's kind of progress really and uh yeah thanks for listening and um if you do like the podcast then please do like subscribe review don't write crap reviews about me because i'm feeling quite vulnerable at the moment no you can be completely honest of course and i look forward to seeing you again soon bye